0: So one of the great tragedies um, of being a pastor is that I miss my favorite TV show every single week Um, because I'm here on Sunday mornings. I can't watch, sit at home and watch, this is going to be a big, bold claim, the greatest show on television. That show is CBS Sunday Morning. Um, Okay. I don't know if somebody just... Amen, right? Yeah, yeah. You have it. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is the greatest show on television. Uh, CBS Sunday Morning, for those of you that don't know, is a news show, but a very different type of, of news show, one not like what you'll get the rest of the week on the 24-hour uh, news cycle. Um, it is a TV show, it's a television show that gives you maybe three minutes of the headlines, like a 20-second glimpse of the weather, and then the rest of the stories are human interest stories. They're the stories of real, local people doing sometimes seemingly or, like ordinary, pretty plain things, sometimes extraordinary things, um, but it's real-life human beings telling their story in a positive and uplifting and a little bit more of a, um, an inspirational way. Uh, CBS Sunday Morning speaks to the heart a lot more than it speaks to the head. Um, and so it's stories that we often identify with. It's stories that we love. It's stories that we feel compelled um, to become involved in and watch each and every week. Ruth, I'm going to claim, is the CBS Sunday morning of Scripture. I think it's, um, it's the story that is um, in, a story, in, in a kind of a headlines about God working at the national scale, at big international things. Ruth is the human interest story. Ruth is the story that's different than all the other books in the Old Testament because it's a story about, uh, that features relatable, lovable characters, and it's told in a masterful way. It's a story that, generally speaking, people love. A lot of people, I sent the email out earlier this week and I got three people saying it's my favorite book in scripture. I'm so glad that we're doing that. I've gotten no emails like that since I've been here other than this one. And so people love the book of Ruth. So actually in the email, if you read it this week, I I challenged you and I'm going to encourage you again. I'm going to encourage each and every person in here to read the Ruth cover to cover every week. Not just once, but over the next three weeks that we study this book. And it's, it's a short book. You don't have to worry about it. It's four chapters. It's about 80 some odd verses. Um, it's about 2,000 words. Heads up, this sermon is longer than 2,000 words, right? So, so it's, it's a little bit of an easy read. But every time you look at Ruth, if you look at it through a different lens, it's like a kaleidoscope where, yes, all the pieces are there and they fall into certain places, but also kaleidoscopes are impacted by the surroundings, the way the light hits the text, the way the light hits it in certain ways, the way your life hits the text. And so I'm going to encourage us to read this each and every week because it is such a refreshing book that. breaks down walls, speaks of faithfulness, speaks of hospitality. It's a, it's a female perspective in a book that's dominated by male voices. It's refreshing in so many ways. And so I pray that as we read this book together, that as you and I spend time with Ruth and these wonderful characters, God might reveal to us in new ways God's presence among us. So we're going to kick it off this week uh, by diving right in, and I'm going to read a little bit of a longer passage of scripture this morning. It's, it's, um, it's the first 18 verses of Ruth. We're going to start right at the very beginning, um, but it's a head start on you reading the rest of the book this afternoon. So 1 through 18 this morning, here now for the word of God. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Milan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, the father in the story, died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. These two sons took Moabite wives, so they married Moabite women. And the name of the one of, one of them was Orpah, and the name of the other one was Ruth. That's Orpah, not Oprah. <laughs> when they had lived there about ten years, both Milan and Chilion also died. So now that so that the women was left, the woman, excuse me, Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. So she'd started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab where they had been living, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and they went along their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. And then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, are you going to wait until they're grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister in law, Orpah, she's already going back to her people and to her God, so return after your sister in law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And may the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy and living God, we come into this space today giving thanks for the word that gives life, for the word that gives meaning, for the word that illuminates life around us. God, we give you thanks for this text. Do with it what you will. May the words that I speak stir our hearts. May they be yours and may nothing else be heard but your word alone. God, use this text to strengthen us, to inspire us, and to light our path, both this day and forevermore. Amen. So, October in my life right now means wedding month. Uh, We, Gabby and I, for some of you that don't know, I'm getting married in two weeks, Um, and so I'm on the clock. That's not, thank you, but that's not really a, yep. We actually just celebrated, interestingly, uh, Dana's grandparents, uh, Tom and Av MacArthur, were here this morning, and they celebrated their 72nd wedding anniversary on Wednesday. So that's pretty awesome. That's worth clapping about. Um, If you know them they're here at the first service oftentimes and so if you ever see them next week if you see them give them a hug because they are awesome too and such an inspiration especially for someone like me who's just getting started on this whole thing so the reason i say this is because coincidentally and and rather maybe divinely um we get this passage of scripture this morning that is often read at weddings you've probably heard this text before at weddings if you've been to enough of them one of your friends or cousins or somebody, maybe even you, use this passage of scripture at their wedding. It's a beautiful text. It's a beautiful piece of poetry. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. It's a beautiful example of faithful relationships, of Christ centered marriages. But I gotta tell you, they don't give you the context for this uh, poetry in the wedding. The reason being, the husband just died. <laughs> Not only did the one husband just die, but three of them have just died. They don't really talk about that when they talk about this at weddings. And it's a beautiful, con- I mean, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful passage, but it actually comes in a pretty dire situation in the text. To give you a little bit of recap, I know there's a lot of names, there's a lot of moving parts, so let me give you a little bit of an overview of what's happened. Naomi, who the story centers on, it's actually not Ruth who it's all about, it's Naomi who the story is really about. Naomi is the matriarch of this family, and she and her husband and their two sons had decided to go to Moab. they have been living in Israel in Bethlehem, which coincidentally Bethlehem means house of bread, but right now there's a famine in the house of bread. There's no bread to be found, and so they leave, and like refugees, they pack up, and they move into Moab. When they're there, they get there, and they begin to live their life, and all of a sudden, tragedy strikes, and Elimelech dies. That's the dad. So Naomi now only has two sons, Milan and Chilion. Milan uh, and Chilion, interesting interpretation of these names. They actually mean frail and weak, so you can imagine what's about to happen to them. They die, too. I don't know why I don't know why you would name your child, but they did. <laughs> so these people pass away, and what we have is we've got now um, a mother Naomi, who's lost her husband and has lost her two sons, and the only thing people remaining in her life are her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. Now, it's interesting to think about this. You need to know that like Naomi and losing losing her uh, sons and her husband, this isn't just like losing your family. In ancient Israel, this is losing your life. You don't have any claim to anything at this point. Ancient Israel, both the legal and the financial structures were set up all around men and women's only access to any type of Um, status or money or property is all about who is their closest male relative. Naomi's just lost everything. We find Naomi in a place a lot like we found Job last year. October of last year, we studied Job, and you'll remember Job. You know Job. Job is the man that lost it all. He lost his family. He lost his health. He lost his job. He was a faithful, and he was a good man. In fact, God said he was one of the most faithful people. And by nothing that he did, he loses it all. And so we find Naomi in a similar place, kind of the male or the female version of Job. And it's a reminder as we start this story that you know even the most faithful people on the planet are not immune to disaster. We're not promised everything that we think it is we don't we're not promised that we're going to avoid pain or avoid loss in our lives we lose things at times and so naomi is caught in a place where she has nothing left but her two moabite daughters in-laws orpa and ruth they're an unlikely family these three women they kind of remind me of the golden girls of the old testament Three women, they're just kind of living together, trying to make their way in the world, right? And that's all they have left. But the real, like, as awkward of a situation, as, as interesting of a family as this is, this new family, these three women somehow make it work for a while. But then eventually, Naomi, the mother, has to pack her bags and go home. She's learned that Bethlehem now has bread, bread has been restored to the house of bread, and so she's decided to pack up and leave her life in Moab, which she had been living for for at least 10 years or so, and go back to her native land of Israel. And as she goes back, she gives her two daughters-in-law a blessing, saying, "It's time for us to part. I'm old and you two are young. Go live your lives." you don't have to follow me. You don't have to care for me anymore. Hit reset. Go get remarried. Go live your life. Start afresh. I'm going to go back to my home country. And when she does this, one of them does, in fact, go home. Orpah heads back, takes the blessing and goes. But before we get all upset at Orpah, Let's remember that she doesn't have really an obligation at this point. I mean, the laws and kind of the way that society worked was that this was was normal for her to leave. This would be fine for her to leave. As long as she has Naomi's blessing, it's okay for her to pack up and start her life all over again, back in Moab, maybe find a new husband, maybe find some sense of security. Because with Naomi, Naomi has nothing, no property, no security, nothing to fall back on. So if she's going to live a healthy, prosperous, and maybe uh, secure life, it might be better for her to go. So Orpah does. But there's no ill will between them. Naomi doesn't dislike Orpah for doing so. It's perfectly, perfectly reasonable for her to do that. In fact, I imagine it's more painful for Orpah to leave than it is for Naomi. Orpah decides to take her and take, take, take her bags and go down the less risky path by going back to Moab. But then you have this other daughter-in-law, Ruth. And Ruth decides to stay. Ruth decides to stay beside Naomi. In fact, it's not that she just stays. The scripture says that she clings to Naomi. That word cling... The word debak in Hebrew, D-A-B-A-Q, debak, it it means to cling in the way that Genesis describes a husband might cling to his wife or a wife might cling to her husband. In the other parts of the Old Testament, cling is the way in which we are called as people of faith to cling on to the goodness of God, to cling on to, to hold on to with all our might, to never let go your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. I'm clinging on to you. The amazing thing, and that's a beautiful thing to say, right? You can see why we would say that at a wedding and why we would preach that at a wedding. But the real strength of this is actually in their circumstance, which we haven't talked about. They are of people of different backgrounds, of different ethnicities of different walks of life. Ruth is a Moabite woman. It was an interracial marriage already. I mean, for, for, her, for Naomi's sons to marry interracially, that was already a little bit of a taboo thing to do. The, all, throughout the Old Testament, Moab is the enemy of Israel. If you read Numbers, if you read Deuteronomy, Isaiah, it, Numbers 25 even says that Moabite women in particular are evil women. They will lead you to do sinful things. They're not good. Avoid them at all costs. Ruth, this enemy of Israel, clings to Naomi. Says, your people are my people. Your God, my God. I'm going to stay by you forever. For Ruth to say by Naomi's side is not just this obligation of familial relationship. It is an all-out risk for her to do so because they're going back to Israel where, to be sure, as a Moab, a Moabite woman, Ruth will be hated by others. She'll be discriminated against, but it's all worth it because that's her sense of obligation. That's what she's called to do, to care for this older woman, even when The entire faith of this older woman, of Naomi, the Israel culture is going to reject her. Ruth doesn't take the easy path. She remains faithful, and it's a level of faithfulness beyond measure, something completely unexpected. And coming from someone who is unexpected, this enemy of Israel and the people of God. The whole story of Ruth is an embodiment of my, one of my favorite words in, in the Hebrew text. Hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. Hesed means uh, loving kindness. It means steadfast love. It means faithfulness. It means uh, being faithful in your relationship to act in loving ways. Hesed is mentioned 240 times in the Old Testament, and it's one of the key theological qualities of God. It's, it's a word that describes the very nature of God. Hesed, faithful, steadfast, not just in theory, but in practice. It talks about the strength of God, a love from God for us that can't be broken, a providence, a care for us that won't weaken or give up, even when we screw it up has said it's a faithfulness that goes beyond anything we expect or anything we deserve when you read ruth this week and next week and the next week you'll find that god isn't mentioned that much in ruth only mentioned a few times in the 2000 words but what you'll find is that god doesn't take center stage yet god is very real and very present in the relationship between Naomi and Ruth. This story is an example of what God's faithfulness looks like in a very real and apparent way. Not just speaking of God's faithfulness in abstract, but God's faithfulness in very concrete and real ways. It's hesed in action. Ruth is a beautiful book, um, and, and I think we're going to like it over the next few weeks, uh, but I got to tell you, my favorite line in reading it for the and studying it for about the past two or three weeks is the very first line. If you recall what the first line says, it says, it just gives us kind of the context. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, in the days when the judges ruled. If you know the book of Judges, Ruth follows the book of Judges. That's where it falls in our scripture. And if you've ever read the book of Judges, you know that Judges is a very turbulent time in Israel's history. It's a time of decline for Israel. It's a time when things are falling apart National leadership is corrupt. You have these people vying for power. You have all of these, Judges is in between the days of like Joshua and Moses, pretty good time. And the days of like David and Solomon, also pretty good time. But we're in this valley in Judges where there's corruption and there's murder and there's evil and there's power mongering and there's political maneuvering and backstabbing. It's a horrible time on the national landscape and Israel just seems to be in a tailspin. But in the days when the judges ruled, when things were bad, when things were horrible, we get this story of Ruth. We get this story of Hesed. We get this story that's not about the national landscape. It's not about judges where kind of dynasties are falling and kingdoms are being built up. It's the story of a very local relationship a one-on-one beautiful relationship between two women, Hesed. in a very real way. It's as if Ruth is the CBS Sunday morning when headlines are really bad and you just want a refreshing story that inspires your hope and tells you what God's presence really is all about in your life. In the days when the judges ruled, God's faithfulness is still at work in human relationships. In the days when the judges ruled, God's still present in love among family and friends in real and tangible ways. In the days when judges ruled, God can work across racial boundaries. Last week, um, there was four of us that went on to a conference. Um, Carl and Colin and uh, Corey, I feel left out. Carl, Carl and Corey and Ben, uh, we, went to, we went to a conference together uh, in Kansas City. And we were there at this conference. It's in the largest United Methodist Church in the country, uh, about 20,000 members. The, the, the auditorium that is their sanctuary um, it seats about 5,000 people. It's a massive place. And we were there for a national conference about the state of the United Methodist Church. Where are we as a denomination? Where are we going as a denomination? And it was uh, It was an interesting place and an interesting kind of environment to be in because while I love our connection, I love the fact that the United Methodist Church is connected to people all around the world. It's amazing to see. I think a lot of people went into that conference looking for answers, looking for God. Where is God alive and moving across our denomination We looked up to leadership at the national and international level. And scripture sometimes teaches us that. We have a God that works at the national and international level. God upends kingdoms. God has nations defeat other nations. God rules and inspires leaders. God overturns the laws of nature to work among us. And I think a lot of people there were looking for that God. But in that time and in that moment, I was studying Ruth and just thinking about Ruth. And it was a reminder that in times and days when the judges rule and we're looking for God at the national level, I'm more convinced than ever if we want to see God at God's best, look as local as possible. Look in the friendships. Look in the relationships Look in the marriage of 72 years, that's God's best work, hesed, in real, tangible relationships. If you want to know and see what God's hesed looks like, if you want to experience it for yourself, don't look to governments or systems or answers beyond who we are as first on Chatham and first carry. Discover it by developing faithful friendships. Ones that don't break when things get rough, ones that don't turn back when the road looks hard. If you want to experience God's steadfast love, practice it through loving kindness, through Hesed, even when it's not the easiest path to take. Yes, we worship a God of the Old Testament, a God who can topple governments, who can move mountains, who can part seas. That's an amazing God that we worship. But on this morning and in this time, we give God thanks for the God that shows up in the form of faithful friendships and relationships, that shows up right beside us when we need God most. We give God thanks for the God of local, real, tangible Hesed. Amen.
1: Why don't you stand with me, and we'll sing our last song together. After I find my pick. This is why it's great to have like other people up on stage with you. It's because they always have picks, and I always forget picks. All right, we'll do it with that one. So just everybody sing really loud. Find my rest, and without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart, and Lord, I need. Oh, I Cannot stand, I'll fall on you, Jesus. You're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you, Jesus. You're my hope and stay. Lord, I need
0: home and you're going to read Ruth this week, you'll read it the next, you read the next, but when you go from this place, I want you to go like Naomi. Naomi was headed back home, and right when she seemed like life was falling apart, God intervened and God gave her the gift of Ruth. Ruth was the very presence of God's faithfulness in hesed right there in the middle of despair. So as you go from this place, I hope that you might experience God's has in very real ways in your relationships and in your families. And might you be the very nearness of God for someone around you. Go from this place with hope, with promise, and with peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.